all of that in mind, we're going to talk about you do you tonight. You ever heard that phrase? You do you, I'll do me, you do you, you know, we'll be fine, right? So Galatians 6 expands on Paul's teaching about living in God's spirit, which he gave at the end of Galatians chapter 5. It describes how Christians who live in God's spirit should use his power to treat each other. So going back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 through 26, it says this. Now I'm, I use the Amplified version here. It says, if, if we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage, our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must not become conceited, challenging, or provoking one another, or envying one another. So that's how Paul ends Galatians chapter 5. So that's a pretty, I mean, you could pretty well spend the day right there. You know, this is really good teaching. I mean, it's solid. It's, this is how we should be. If we claim to be in God's spirit, if we claim to live according to God's word, then we shouldn't be provoking one another. We shouldn't be challenging one another. We should at least not to, you know, I mean, we ought to be challenging each other to be better, but not, you know, not challenging each other like in contempt. Um, so to begin with, Paul shows that, that when a brother or sister in Christ gets caught in sin, other Christians should step up instead of looking away. Now, this gets a little dicey, yeah. right? Because, okay, I mean, yeah, you know everybody, you know their life, and you know that this guy, you know, maybe he lives a way that he shouldn't live when he's outside of here. And we all have a tendency to just kind of look the other way. Because if we call them out, oh, that's going to be a struggle. That's going to be a challenge. But spiritually mature Christians should help to restore one caught by sin with exactly with gentleness and humility. Now, that, this puts it in a whole other light. It's not going, hey, you know what old so-and-so does on Saturday night? That, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about maybe, maybe going to that brother and saying, hey, listen, man, I see, you're in, I see you got a problem here. You're struggling in this area of your life. How, how about, you know, we, we help each other? You know, how about we make ourselves accountable to one another? You know, and, and in doing so, we do that in humility so we don't call each other out. We don't rat each other out. We walk with each other through our difficult times in life. Mm -hmm. Kind of what he's talking about here. This is one of the, the ways those in Christ can help to carry each other's burdens. We see that in the Scripture, right? So, when the load one of us is hauling around becomes too heavy, others should step up to help a person get through this season in their life. So it, it may just be a challenging time. Maybe someone's going through a hardship. You know, a lot of people, we call it self-medicating when I'm working with the veterans. You know, that's not a good thing for, for one of our veterans to self-medicate because technically that's probably going to mean he's either using dope or he's using alcohol. And, the, and what is he doing? He's just simply covering up the pain. He's not solving anything. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what we're having. If we're caught in a season, maybe of depression, maybe we've uh, had a loss, or you know, all of us have this tendency to fall apart from time to time, right? Maybe it's you lost your job. Maybe you've done something that, that's caused some, some problems. Um, maybe you're having trouble in your marriage. And so there's all these hardships that come along, and we have a tendency to bury those in another way, well, it's a great time for another believer to step up and say, hey, let me, let me walk with you through this thing. Yeah. You know, and then when, when I 
struggle. You can walk with me through that, you know. Um, in other words, life in Christ by the power of God's Spirit is not meant to be lived alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're not. I mean, we uh, Pastor Ray talked about Sunday, and I and I share this a lot. Um, God actually showed me a while back about the armor. We talked about the armor yeah. in one of the studies we did in here, where we don't have any armor for our backside, and this fly is going to fight. Um, get away. So what do we should do if we don't have armor for our backside? We cover each other's backs. Yeah. We look out for one another. That's, that's what he's mm-hmm. talking about here. So Galatians chapter 6, starting with verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, I love how this describes this in Amplified, that is, you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit. In other words, we're sensitive to the Spirit's guiding us. You know, sometimes we let the wrong spirit guide us from time to time. I'm I'm challenged with dumb people. I I really struggle with with ignorance. And it gets to me. Ron Ron is all the time having to correct me, especially in my driving, because I have this word I like to use, you know, morons. There's just a lot of morons out there on the road sometimes. And I struggle with that. And ever now and again, it really can get to me if if I'm not careful. Um, and it, it so this this um, being responsive to the Spirit to guide me would be something I really could use some some structure around from time to time. So being responsive to the Spirit, or to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Again, this is a word we don't use much. We don't have much of a gentle spirit anymore. We either are laughing at somebody, mocking them, calling them out, or pointing our finger at them instead of looking at how we, I mean, it's easy for me to call somebody a moron, and then, you know, a half hour later, I cut somebody off in traffic too because I did the same thing the guy did behind me, you know, but I don't see it that way. We're to keep a watchful eye on ourselves in the midst of all of this. Um, so, so if we're to restore such a person in spirit of gentleness, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness, we're also to keep a watchful eye on ourselves, so that we don't fall into the same problem. Mm-hmm. We're not tempted in the same way. Verse 2 goes on to say, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ that is the law of Christian love. What do you, what do you think it means to carry each other's burdens? That's true. So there's got to be some relational factor going on here. Because that only comes with our relationship with the Lord. Yep. If we don't have a true walking relationship with the Lord, we're not going to care yep. about someone else's burden. And so when you get involved in somebody else and they've got a burden, uh, it says to watch yourself lest you're tempted also. Yeah. And that just makes it that much more easier. But if you're walking in your prayer life and you're walking as unto the Lord, and you're walking spiritually, the Lord sometimes, not every time, will, will just put a knowing in your heart. Anybody ever had that knowing? God put mm-hmm. this knowing in your heart. They're going through something. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's, you need to go pray for them. Yeah. You don't have to know what it is, but it's one thing if we don't say Well, it comes back to, and I don't know the actual scripture reference, but it talks about being sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. 
that that sensitivity is just exactly what she's talking about. That you you I mean, I saw someone tonight. We were in a Mexican restaurant over here a while ago eating dinner with my daughter and, and her family, and and I happened to see somebody that is one of the regulars there. It's actually one of the the waitresses, and it's like, man, she's struggling. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And when you when you see somebody and you think, wow, they're really they got a battle going on tonight. They got something happening. They're they're not who they are under normal circumstances. You know, it can happen at any given time when that sensitivity to the spirit, and it comes back to carrying each other's burdens. When we recognize that in a fellow believer, what should we do? Oh Lord, I ain't got time for that today. Don't look. Don't look. I mean, we have a tendency to do that, right? You know, I mean, when you. <laughs> I love this. I mean, hey, how you doing? We really don't want to know, right? I mean, that's just a. Can we say it quick and then move away? Because we don't really want to take the time for them to tell us how they're really doing. You know, that's not why. I mean, we just ask it to be a nice guy. But really, what should we do? If we're going to carry each other's burdens, as it says, we should care. We should care. It's kind of like saying, hey, I'll, I'll pray for you. We say that often. It's so easy. Oh, I'll, I'll pray for you. Yeah, yeah, especially Facebook. I'll pray for you. Do we? I mean, do, you know, do you take the time? I mean, because if you don't right then, that's why I, I say I've made a comment about this, I think, in a podcast said or not, that, that if I don't take the time right then yeah. to say, Lord, whatever's going on in them, help me. You know, it doesn't have to be like some elaborate, yeah. let's light a candle and spend an hour and a half, you know, praying over their situation. But the actual just bringing them to mind, it's good for us to do that too. So having said all this, Paul encourages Christians to take careful stock of the work they do in the Spirit without comparing themselves to each other. I mean, we don't have to be like that guy. I used to, I can remember when I was a younger, you know, I grew up in church and you'd have this evangelist come in and and, and, you know, you, as a young guy, I always knew that I had this calling. I, I, I knew it. I ran from it, but I knew it. And then you'd hear these evangelists come in, and they're, they're telling their story, right? I mean, they got a story. You know, like this dude been knifed seven times, been shot twice, you know. And I'm thinking, God, I don't want a story like that. I, I don't want his story. But yet there was this envy. We, we play, I mean, when you hear someone that's had this They've overcome something horrific, and you think, oh, man, they got a story. I ain't never dealt with anything like that. I mean, how could God ever use me, you know, in that same way? So we compare ourselves to someone else, and then we, we build a value based on that, and it's, it's not a value we should ever build because each of us have our own story. The Bible says that we overcome our enemy by the blood of the Lamb, which is Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross, and by the word of our testimony. So is it my testimony about how bad a dude I was growing up? Uh-uh. No. I can remember as a teenager in church, different ones would stand up. Oh, I made this way for the devil for this many years. And, and I'm like, God, I've never done anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I've kept you. Exactly. So that was my testimony. I've lived a life of being kept. Being kept. Is that that story isn't about who we were. It's about what God brought us out of. It's our story of redemption. It's our story of being brought from darkness into light. Because that's the story that when we tell it, we'll bring someone else out of darkness into light. It had nothing to do with who we were. 
you know, or what kind of, you know, persona we projected. It's what Christ brought us out of and the story of how he brought us out of that. We should be honest with ourselves and take full responsibility to do what is ours to do in the following of Christ. One of those responsibilities is to share the good things God gives to us with those who teach us the word. That's an interesting concept of what Paul's speaking of here. That we're to share what we have with those who are, who are teaching. So in other words, I could tell you tonight, you know, you should open up your wallets and bless me tonight, right? Because I'm the one teaching. Honestly, that is what he's saying. You should take, we need to understand, and, and I'm not saying that because of any position, but we really do need to take it into perspective of how we care for those who are in these leadership positions. One, we need to cover them in prayer constantly. Yes. Yes. There is a battle that goes on that most of us do not understand. Those of us who've been in that position understand it. And it's most of the time you can't say anything about it. You just have to endure it. Mm -hmm. You know, but the struggles that leadership goes through. And it's leadership from all aspects. It's, it, it's a Sunday school teacher. You know, it's, it's a youth worker. It's a children's ministry worker. It, it doesn't matter if he's just the pastor or, or, or anybody else. Anyone who takes on that leadership role, you're going to have to overcome the struggle and the challenges. And we need to pray over those people. We need to support them. Yeah, right. we, we, need to, we need to care for those. You know, Ron and I were just talking about our, we, we have a, a new mail carrier on our route. We have wore that gal out this year. She has carried more stuff to our house and it won't fit in the box. So she got to bring it to the house, get out of her car, put it on the porch. You know, and I was, we were talking about we're going to bless her this year because she's gone above and beyond. You know, she's just a mail carrier. Mm -hmm. But it's someone who is serving a role that's taking care of us. It's something we should pay attention to. It goes way beyond even just the spiritual realm. But obviously, Paul's talking about the spiritual realm. So now we're going to jump to Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. We'll carry this on. Uh, actually, I'm going to preempt this with, with verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something special, <laughs> when in fact he is nothing special, except in his own eye, he deceives himself. Now, that's a pretty bold scripture. I mean, that's, that's just laying it out there. You know, if you think you're somebody, you're not anybody. You're not, you're not any better than anybody else. You know, and we can look at Jesus' example. What, what, do they, what does the Bible teach us about Jesus? That he's endured the same things we have. Even though he was the son of God, even though he was this spiritual guy who never fell to sin, he's fought the same battles we have. Yeah. Now, and I've heard the arguments, oh, no, he hadn't. He didn't live in our time. He lived in his. You go back scripturally. Whoo, uh-uh. And you go back and look at, at some of the horrors of that day, yeah, I'd say they compared it to today. <laughs> I'd say they compared. So then we get to verse 4. It says, but each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions and attitudes and behavior. And then he can have the personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. Now, again, this is, this is some big scripture. This is some big talk. That, that If we were to really scrutinize our own life, our own walk, our own work for the Lord, uh, taking into account our actions, 
um, our, our attitude and our behavior and everything that we do, I don't always have the best attitude about stuff. Sometimes I let my attitude twist off the wrong direction. It happens. But when we, when we take it long into account and we scrutinize our own life, in other words, we judge ourselves. When we judge ourselves, we don't need to compare to anybody else. There's, there's, no, there's no purpose. There's no point in comparing anything to, our, to someone else. And verse 5 says, For every person will have to bear with patience his own burden of faults, shortcomings, for which he alone is responsible. In other words, we're, we're responsible for everything on us. Uh, one, <laughs> a pastor friend of mine had posted something on Facebook, this, and this what prompted this whole thing. Because what he said was, is, you got to learn to hoe your own row. And I thought, that's pretty cool. I mean, you think about that? We're, we're constantly picking the weeds out of somebody else's garden, right? I mean, we're always looking at somebody else's stuff going, oh, man, they need to fix that. They need, they need to correct all that stuff. They need to act better. And what he's saying is, is we need to learn to hoe our own row. We, we, need, to, we need to stay in our own lane, <laughs> you know? <laughs> in other words, you do you. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You take care of you. you. You got enough problems of your own. You don't need to be pointing anybody else's out. Deal with yourself. Next, he applies the comparison of planting and harvesting to living in the flesh and living in the spirit. Those who insist on trying to be made righteous before God by the effort of their flesh in following the law with harvest uh, or will harvest corruption or death. In, in other words, if, if, if we're dealing with trying to, trying to do things on our own, if we're pointing out everybody else's flaw and we don't take care of ourselves, our harvest will be corruption and death in our own life. In a similar way, those who plant only the seeds of their own sinful desires will also harvest death. Only those who plant God's spirit by faith in Christ will harvest eternal life, found in Galatians 6, 6-8. If we look at starting with verse 6 in, in Galatians 6, the one who is taught by the word of God is to share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his spiritual and material support. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this also is what he'll reap. Very, man, that's a, that is some powerful scripture. I mean, what else do we expect? There's a simplicity to this. If, if you sow wheat, what are you going to expect to harvest? Well, you should. I mean, if you sow wheat thinking you're going to get corn, you're going to be sadly misled when you get to the harvest time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we have to understand that whatever it is that we put in, it is what we're going to get out. I mean, the, the, Ron and I use a scripture in our, in our ministry about the giving side that, that God says in the same measure in which you give, in the same measure in which you give, I'll give back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over we pour right into your lap by man. So in other words, God's saying this, whatever measure we use, and it's just, um, we use it monetarily a lot, but think about it. Whatever we do, whatever we use to measure life, whatever joy we try to give somebody, whatever blessing we try to give somebody, whatever cheer we try to give somebody, 
It's in that measure that God will give back to us. But he'll amplify it. He'll press it down. He'll shake it up. Exactly. It comes back to that same measure. In that same measure. I had a pastor actually preach a message on that one night that he started out using a, a spoon, a little spoon, and then he got a ladle, and then he got a shovel, and then he opened the back door of the church and there was a backhoe sitting there. <laughs> and whatever measure that you use, that's what God's going to use to measure back to you. So we think about that in every aspect of our life, not just money, but in everything that we do. When we, when we give to others, whether it's in our service, of our time, of our money, whatever it is, that's the measure that God's going to use to give back to us. Mm-hmm. Only he's going to amplify it to his version. You know? I'll add something there. I was the church secretary at my home church for years. And there was this one family that I knew they made X amount of dollars, but I also knew that other people made more money than they did. But they were constantly given in this area, constantly given in that area, constantly in line, I'm going to volunteer, you know, and, and, but, and but God blessed them back in so yeah. many ways. Uh, I remember we had this one lady, she goes, you know, my furniture, I haven't had to buy furniture in years because he's blessed me and kept because of how I've given to the Lord. She goes, I thoroughly believe because of my giving and what, how I do that God has not let my appliances mess up. Mm. My air conditioner has never had to be worked on. It's 15 years old. You know, so whatever we give monetarily, these people could not give God enough. Yeah. God would just bring it back to them because of how, you know, they would they would be, do their best to meet the need and wherever they are. And that same that, that goes back to that verse that said, with what measure you meet yeah. before God the same will be measured back to you. So if, if you give little, you're going to get little. Yep. Right. If you give much to God, whether it be your time, your work, whatever, and money, he's going to bless you, turn around and keep you, and bless you right back. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the Galatian church at this time when it was going on, these people were all about here not. That's why it says, you know, that God said, take heed lest uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be mocked. You know, these people, about, I, I do this in the church. My position is this. My position is that. And that's why he kept saying, you know, you worry about taking care of you and quit trying to don't provoke somebody else by you coming up to them and go, well, I'm the, I am the choir director in this church and, and you're not. Yeah. You know how mm-hmm. people will do that in church. Yeah. We're not supposed to do that. He goes on in verse 8 to say, for the one who sows to his flesh, yes. his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses, will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But, I always like the buts, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And again, I think you can measure that out way beyond what its wordage is. It, it, comes, it, it comes back in full volume. There's just, there's just so much that you can apply to this here. Verse 9 says, I love this part, let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. Yeah, that's not always easy to do. No, it's not. (laughs) We get, because we, how many of you have done something that you figure is like, this is good. We've been doing good for a while and you don't ever seem to see a return on your investment. 
I mean, it happens, right? I mean, it can happen an entire lifetime. We can do good for a long time and not ever. It's like no one appreciates it. I, I preach a sermon called the duck call sermon. I use a lot in our, with our veterans and stuff. And I actually use a duck call to preach a sermon. And there, there's this little piece inside a duck call that, that holds the reed in place in, in the tone board on a duck call. And it's called a wedge. Well, in, in the process of that wedge, it's, it's just, some of them are made out of rubber, some of them are made out of cork. All it does is sits in a position and holds that reed where that reed belongs on the tone board. That's it. It's its only purpose. I have never heard anybody say, whew, man, that's an awesome wedge. Right? Mm-hmm. No one talks about a wedge. But without the wedge, that duck call doesn't work. It doesn't serve its purpose. The, the wedge becomes very important, even though it's unseen. It's hidden. Once a duck call is put back together, you don't even know it's there. You ever feel like a wedge? Yeah. Yeah. We go through life sometimes feeling like that wedge. Like we're doing everything in our power to do the right things, but nobody pats us on the back. Nobody tells us thank you. And this goes on. This is huge in in my mind when talking about church. We do lots of good things to never get any appreciation for it. It may be just greeting at the door. It may be holding the door open. It may be getting up and shutting the doors so you don't have to hear the youth rattle and clang tonight. You know, it may be just little bitty things. It might be picking up the tissues that somebody left. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I mean, it might be anything. But yet, no one ever thanks us for that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and it's oftentimes we can feel like a wedge. Yeah. But without the wedge, mm-hmm. nothing functions appropriately. It doesn't, it doesn't serve its purpose. In that duck call without a wedge, that duck call doesn't serve its purpose. That wedge becomes very important, even though it's out of sight, out of mind. Don't grow weary in doing what is right. And I think that when you look at different versions of the Bible, you'll see that particular wordage. Don't grow weary in doing good, but don't grow weary in doing what's right. There's often times that, that I don't know if I want to do this anymore today, you know, but it would be the right thing to do. It would be the good thing to do. And I I love how this ends this. For at the proper time, God's timing, in in his timing, we will reap. It it doesn't even go on to say you'll reap a harvest. It simply says you'll reap. In other words, you're going to recover. You're going to get. You're going to have something poured into you. So don't grow weary of doing what's right. Don't grow weary of doing what's good because in due season, I think is how one version says that, in due season, you shall reap in his timing, in his wordage, if we don't give in. Hmm. That's, again, just, just a little, there's a comma in there. And so before that period, there's those little words that say, if we don't give in. If we don't give up, if we don't quit, the whole Bible is full of that. We are to endure till the end. Yeah. We're to overcome. If we don't, we don't get what it's talking about. We won't reap because if we give up or we give in, we, we lose. 
we lose everything. So he finishes that piece of scripture and carries into verse 10 with, So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity. Now verse 9 ends right there. While we as individual believers have the opportunity. I think it's very important to note that there's going to come time when we no longer have the opportunity. Like that's why this, this verse is set up this way is we have the opportunity now, but there will come a time when that opportunity is no longer in front of us. So while we have the opportunity, it goes on to verse 10 saying, let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being and especially be a blessing to those in the household of faith, born again believers. So in other words, it's saying especially to family, especially to us, especially to those of the same faith, being, being make, making sure that we do good to our fellow believers, our fellow followers of Christ in all that we do. Paul encourages those who walk by the Spirit not to give up doing good. Don't get tired of it, he writes. The harvest is coming. Use up all the planting time to do good to everyone, especially other Christians in this house of faith we live in as brothers and sisters with the same Father. Uh, there's, so, there's so much to that. I think it's just so cool the way he puts it. Don't grow weary in doing the right thing, even when it appears at times to be completely in vain and, and showing no promise of getting any better. Again, as, as Rhonda said, he's talking to the, to the Galatians here. That these people were running amok. They had problems. I mean, most of Paul's messages were to the churches that were struggling with stupidity. I mean, they were just doing dumb things. You know, whether it had been the church of Corinth, whether it was the church of Galatia, what, it didn't matter. And, and it, he's, he's bringing correction. And it's, it's what the Word of God does. It's exactly what this passage of Scripture is telling us to do. Look out for one another. And when you see somebody that's, that's falling by the wayside, pick them up. Yeah. Take the time to invest in them spiritually. You know, I, I think that's sometimes we, we fail to think. We, we get our, our world, I think, has corrupted our mindset to the point that we think of any time we're to give, oh, I've got to get my wallet out. <laughs> There's so much more to it yeah. than just money. Being a blessing to somebody goes way beyond monetary things. Now, granted, 
money's necessary. And we do see that need. We see that need constantly around us where someone is struggling financially. And, and there may be opportunity that we invest in their, in their future. We invest in their life. And it does so in monetary values. Ron and I do that. And, and I love, you know, she said, well, I'll go, you can't outgive him. I, 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 uh, I, I could tell you story after story of just ridiculousness of how God just almost immediately or even before I even know what's going on has already put it back in my pocket. I had no intent. I mean, there was no, I, I just felt led to do something and, and God's already positioned it to put it back in. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know why it amazes me anymore, but I stand in amazement of how he does things when we're obedient to him. Mm-hmm. Obedience becomes huge in all of this and it fits into everything that he's talking about here. Our obedience to God's word, doing the things that we're being told to do here watching out for our fellow believers, paying attention to what's going on around us, being that helping hand, serving the way we need to serve according to his word. Keep doing good, keep pursuing God, and keep displaying godly character in all we do and say. Oof, that's a tough one too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's speaking here is, is that correction in love? Uh-uh. Yeah. 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 As we could, if, if we can keep pursuing God and, and, and displaying God's character, you ever really thought about God's character? I mean, and you could, I, I, my silly mind, I can think of lots of things. I do think God is a character mm-hmm. at times. He, he does things in ways that just, there can't be anything but humor involved in some of this, you know? I mean, and I have to believe that that, that humor he puts in us comes from him. I mean, we're, we're creating his image, you know, not, not necessarily his physical image, but in his moral character. In his character, we're created. So each one being individual, we all have our own character, but yet it's his. And, and I think as we, as we learn to understand, if we're to display his character in all that we do every day, whether it be in work, in play, in spirit, whatever that is, his character becomes valuable to us. You know, I, I, I have a, a message that I preach um, about a deer I encountered on one of my runs to Oklahoma City was working. I drive them all, pick up, I come around the corner, there's a little four-corn buck walking right down the dead center of the road. Well, sometimes my mind kind of twists off into animation because that's kind of what I saw this deer. He's walking down the center of the road. I'm on a gravel road. It's not like I snuck up on him, right? I'm in a pickup. So I drive up behind this deer, and he's just walking down the road. And he kind of does one of these little glances over his shoulder. And then does a little double take, like, oh, shoot, there's a truck behind me. But he doesn't do anything different. He's still walking down the center of the road. And he does this like three times where he kind of glances back over his shoulder. So in my mind, I'm playing this out like, you know, in a characterization. You know, that deer's thinking, this guy's following me. What's up with that? Some kind of creeper. He's following me. He's still there. 
So he picks up his pace a little bit, right? Well, it takes a while, but he finally, after looking back at me the last time, darts off the road and he goes up into the brush. Well, in just a few minutes, I'm sitting beside the road writing a message because, you know, what path are you on? Obviously, the deer's not in the right path. That's not the path God created him to be on. I mean, we see what happens when deer are on the road. We see the results of deer on the road laying beside the road. It doesn't go well for them very often. But yet, what about us? You know, God gives us all of this stuff. And, and this characterization to me, I, I think, is huge. It's just like preaching a sermon with a duck call. Whoever come up with that idea? You know, actually, it was my son's, and I took it from him. But, but, but you know, we, we see these things often. But in the end, doing what Paul is talking about here in Galatians, doing what's right, not growing weary of, of doing the right things, not, not, you know, not giving up on one another, but learning to, to, to pick each other up, watch out for each other, help each other when, when we're falling or struggling in sin or any other part of our life. I mean, it could be beyond just a sinful nature. There, there, we could be struggling in all kinds of things that we need somebody to walk beside us with. Depression. Depression is such a monster in our society today. Trauma is a monster in our society today. The traumatic events that, that, that all of us have experienced through life. We need to hold each other up on those things. We need to lift each other up on those things. You know? and, and in doing so, we're doing what God has called us to do. Ministering to each other and, and doing His work on this earth. And in the end, this will prove to be the right thing all the time. Amen. I'm out of notes. Anybody got anything you want to throw in? Well, y'all are all talkative when we do these, so <laughs> let's uh, let's pray.